Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, be magnified in our hearts, in our lives, in this region, in the world. Lord Jesus Christ, be high and magnified. Glory to you in the highest. Bring peace to your people on earth. Glory to you in the highest. Bring grace to your people in need. Glory to you in the highest. Bring love to your people who long. Glory to you in the highest. Bring hope to those who despair. Our needs are massive. Our trust is in you. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us and hear our prayers. As we gather and worship together, somehow connected by your Spirit, will you allow us to forget ourselves, to honor you, and to magnify you? Would you join me, please, in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his brothers and sisters and friends? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for praising and thank you for praying. Just a few comments, if I may. If I could leave you with a couple phrases, it would be these. God is with us. God is for us. Let me personalize this. God is with you. God is for you. It's been said that Jesus was able to trust in God his Father because he found his Father to be bountiful in his provision. Jesus was, kind, was very much aware of the goodness of God because every day on this planet, he was aware of, he was mindful of, he was looking for the blessings of his Father. And that is why Jesus continued to trust, even in difficult and painful and horrible moments, like the one that Tom will soon be sharing with us. We, like Jesus, need to develop a clear sense that God is good, that God is good, that God is for us. And we can learn and grow, develop this in the midst of a pandemic. Let me try to illustrate this. Would you look at the screen here? What do you see? It is said by those who do this study in many different places that most of us are drawn to this. But look at the magnitude of the screen. Look how much surrounds it, and yet we are drawn to this. We are living in the midst of a pandemic. Yes, we are. But is that all we're thinking of? What about all the blessings that we have? Jesus understood that in the midst of the pandemic of the cross, he was still surrounded and carried by and encouraged by blessings. But, but, we're in the fifth season 
six weeks of Lent. And Tom, as only Tom can, in just a few moments, is going to invite us to enter into the deep, deep darkness, the path of descent. We're going to hear about the pain, the loss, the descent that Jesus experienced. And we're going to hear his story of pain and cries and waiting. Oh, yes. Yes, we have a pandemic. Jesus faced the pandemic of a cross. He had to descend into that horrible place, and yet somehow there was blessing. Tom Vanderwa has such a unique ability to still tell stories and weave the words of Jesus into the stories. Would you please listen? Would you open your hearts? Would you be connected to the one who is the way, who is our truth, who is the life? Thank you, Kevin. It's good to be with you this morning. Thank you for joining us. I want you, if you will, you're probably going to take some notes today. I'm going to be referring to some things along the way. And some of the things I'm going to refer to are not going to be on the screen. So you might want to, if you're with your family, maybe you need to assign somebody as a secretary. You can certainly do that. My name is Tom Vanderwell. For those of you who may not know who I am, I uh, a volunteer in leading the teaching team here at Third with Pastor Kevin, and uh, it's my joy to just be able to share this morning, as Kevin said, the fifth week of Lent, and the the whole theme this morning is called "Out of the Depths," and we've been feeling the depths, haven't we? A lot of us have been feeling the anxiety, the fear, the confusion, the unknown. But I want you to know this morning. I don't want us to uh, to sink deeper into despair and discouragement this morning. I want us to actually find joy and hope that is in Christ. So Psalm 130 is where we're going to be. Before we get there, laughter's the best medicine, isn't it? And one of the things that I have been enjoying over the last couple weeks is how creative people are being and the laughter that we are able to share uh, through the internet, through social media. So I wanted to sh share with you a couple of my favorite ones from the last week. Uh, one of them actually came from Lent. Me, I think I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent. God, yeah, you're going to give up restaurants too. Oh, and sports. Uh, and you can't go to church. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that over the last couple of weeks, our lives have changed so much. And in the season of Lent, Tim Herman, a couple weeks ago in the auditorium, was talking about pride, and he said, look, deal with your pride, or God will. And I couldn't, I couldn't help but think of that as I read this meme this week, and kind of go, yeah, God, I think, is purposefully allowing us all to experience Lent in a way that we never have before. This next one, I thought of Keith... Corber and his prophecy class on Wednesday nights, the church has said, prophecy class is canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. And I thought, yeah, Keith, dude, why don't you give us a heads up? Uh, and then our daughter, Taylor, who's been working from home uh, with Clayton and a two-year-old, has been experiencing the joy that many young parents have right now with trying to get work done with your rugrats running around. So one of her coworkers said, hey, tell me what your kids are doing at home, but instead of 
called him your coworker. And she started sending these to us, and they were hilarious. One of my coworkers told me, someday you won't be around. And another coworker got into bed with me at 6 a.m. One of my coworkers is playing amplified tool covers on the electric guitar and refuses to join the daily staff meeting. And when he sits down, he informs us loudly that he hates meeting like this and it ruins his day. Anybody have a teenager at home? My coworker cries every time I go to the bathroom by myself. And this was my favorite one. My coworker came in my office with no clothes on and asked me if I'd help him put on his red cowboy boots. I mean, we gotta laugh, don't we? In this time, in this season, it's good to find laughter and joy, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So that's what we're going to try and find today. Now, I told you Psalm 130 is where we're going to be. I'd like to go to the next, if we could uh, take a look at the scriptures that we've got on the screen here. You may not know this, but Pastor Kevin and the teaching team have been, in the seasons of Advent and Lent, been using this book called Living the Christian Year by Bobby Gross as sort of our source text. And so each week, the teacher assigned for the different weeks, mine was the fifth week of Lent today, and so we, we go to the chapter and we read what was prescribed in the lectionary. Now, a lot of you may not know, not know what a lectionary is. Uh, a lectionary is a prescribed reading for weeks or days. And in this book, each week, Bobby Gross uses the lectionary that's called the Revised Common Lectionary. And I actually put it on the screen here uh, if you're interested. Now, here's what's cool about this. There are a lot of people who would say, hey, you know, I should read the Bible more, but I just don't. Well, this is a great way, especially as you've got time on your hands and you are at home. I'm going to really be encouraging you this morning in some different ways for you to begin getting into God's Word for yourself or getting into God's Word in a deeper way. So what a lectionary does is it takes every day or every week, depending on the lectionary, and it gives you an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, a reading from the Psalms, and a reading from the Gospels. And so this week's, it was Psalm 130. And then Genesis 42 through 45, and over the last couple weeks, the readings have been going through the story of Joseph. Now, we're going to not take time to go through this this morning. Great thing. The 37th chapter, the 50th chapter of the book of Genesis is the story of Joseph. So let me just summarize it really quickly. Here's the cliff notes. Joseph, youngest son of Jacob, he's, got, he's the uh, 11th, uh, he's got 10 older brothers. He's the spoiled brat, and he gets beat up by his brothers, and his brothers throw him into a well. About that time, there are some people uh, traveling through, and they bring their brother, Joseph, out of the well, and they sell him into slavery. Joseph ends up as a slave in Egypt. He rises to a a position of power within the home of the house of his owner, his master, but then gets falsely accused and ends up in prison. Oh, well, slavery, prison. This is not the way he wanted his life to be prescribed, but God had purpose for Joseph in his pain. Then we've got Luke 15, which tells the story of the prodigal son, in which the son comes to his father and says, hey, 
dad, give me my inheritance. He goes to a distant country, wastes all of his money, and he has to come home out of the depths of the consequences of his own actions and ask his father to forgive him. And then John 11, which is the story of Lazarus, Jesus' friend. Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, Lazarus dies, and Jesus comes and raises him from the dead. Now, the interesting thing about prescribed readings in the lectionary is there's a reason why they're put together. And so as you go and you read through them, one of the things that you do is you pray, God, help me to see the thread that you're telling in all of these readings. So we're going to do that today, and we're going to do it through Psalm 130. So grab your Bible or your pad or however you're reading, and we are going to take a look at Psalm 130. Let me read it with you. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive for my cry, to, my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord with my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. All right, let's go back and let's start to unpack this. We're going to go back to the beginning. Out of the depths, I cry to you. Out of the depths. Anybody felt like they've been in the depths the last few weeks? Have you felt discouraged or in despair? Let's go to the next slide if we can. In Psalm 130, we have the depths, discouragement. And then it goes down in verse 3 and it says, If you, Lord, kept the record of sins, who could stand? So we have this sense of guilt, this sense of shame. And then we get to the bottom in verse 7, and the call is to put hope in the Lord. So there's also a sense of hopelessness. Now let's connect the dots. Discouragement. Joseph ends up being sold into slavery by his own brothers. He ends up being falsely accused and thrown in prison for something that he did not do. He had every reason to be discouraged. Mary and Martha are waiting for Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. Like, like so many, they'd seen him heal before. And Lazarus dies. And they're discouraged because they think it's done, it's over. We have these, these examples in the readings, okay? Then we have guilt and shame. What happens to the prodigal? There he is, he's wasted all of his money, he has no job, he ends up taking a job feeding the pigs, he is in the lowest of lows. 
And as he's waiting in pig slop, he realizes, I've got no choice but to go back home and to ask my dad to forgive me, to humble myself before him. And the father, think about the father at home. Was he not discouraged when his son leaves? Any parents been discouraged when your child is rebellious? Of course they are. And hopelessness. Again, I have to believe that Joseph in prison, God, what are you doing? Why am I here? Why has my entire life not happened like I expected it to happen? So what does Psalm 130 tell us to do? Cry out. Cry out to the Lord. Lord, I cry out to you. You know, I, I have often said that the Psalms, uh, the, the Psalms are just lyrics, right, of ancient songs. And we don't know what the song sounded like because the music wasn't written down, but we have the lyrics. But these are song lyrics. And I have often thought that the, the lyrics of the Psalms and a lot of the ones that David wrote are really the blues, Right? And I thought about having Mike and the team actually give me a blues riff this morning, uh, but we didn't do that. But I, think about it. This is what it is. It's a blues tune. Out of the depths, na 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 na, I cry to the Lord, na 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 na. You hear it? We're crying out. It's the blues. God wants us to cry out. Do you know that the blues? Do you know that some of the great spirituals of history, what did they do? They came out of the depths of slavery and racism and despair. And slaves began crying out in song to the Lord. Today we think of them as spirituals or we hear the blues, but it's crying out. So here's, here's my question. Have you ever cried out to God? And I, I don't mean just like, uh, you know, singing loud. Have you ever had it out with God? Amy Childerson in the auditorium this last uh, summer shared her story of being in college and God bringing her to this point of discouragement and despair as her life began falling apart. And I'll never forget Remember Amy saying that she went out into a field in Iowa City. She was a student at the University of Iowa. And she, there at night, in the middle of this field, she had it out with God. She screamed to the heavens and yelled at God. You know what? God is big enough to handle your emotions. We can cry to God. He can handle it. And in, sometimes it's the crying out that is part of the process of us growing and healing, of getting things out and understanding the depth of our own emotions so that God can help us deal with them. It's part of the human experience. I just went through uh, earlier this week, and I pulled up my Bible ga uh, Gateway app, and I wrote in the search box, cried out. Do you know how many people in the Bible cried out? Listen to this. Israel 
The people of Israel cried out, in fact, so many times, I'm not even going to list them out, but in Exodus uh, 2.23 and 14.10, Moses cried out numerous times, Exodus 8.12, 15.25, Numbers 12.13, and more. Aaron cried out to the Lord, Numbers 16.22. Midian cried out to the Lord. Samson cried out to the Lord. Samuel cried out to the Lord. A man of God in 1 Kings 13.2 cried out to the Lord. Elijah cried out to the Lord. Jabez cried out to the Lord. The army of Judah cried out to the Lord. Jehoshaphat, King Hezekiah, Isaiah, Nehemiah, Jeshua, Bani, Cadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunny. Do you know there's a person named Bunny in the Bible? There is. Anyway, Sherebiah, Kanani, David cried out to the Lord. Ezekiel cried out to the Lord. Amos cried out to the Lord. The sailors who took Jonah cried out to the Lord. The disciples of Jesus cried out to the Lord. Peter cried out to the Lord as he was drowning. Demons when they saw Jesus, cried out. Stephen, as he was being martyred in the book of Acts that we studied here a year or so ago, he cried out to the Lord. The elders in heaven, in Revelation, the the seventh chapter, the elders in heaven cry out to the Lord. We will be crying out to the Lord in eternity. Jesus, in his last moment of his earthly journey, Before he died, the last moment, Jesus cried out to the Father. said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? People, it's okay to cry out. We're called to cry out. God's people cry out. Don't be ashamed of crying out when you need to cry out. Go into a field yourself if you need to. It's all right. But now, we cry out to the Lord, and back in Psalm 130, I want you to see that how many times it says, wait. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. In the word, I put my hope. By the way, how can you put hope into the word if you don't know the word? If you're not reading the word, if you don't have the word in your heart and your mind and before your eyes, how can you put your hope in it? I really, Pastor Kevin spoke to the teaching team as we went into this teaching year and into this year of studying exile. And one of the things that he shared with us and we talked about around the table as teachers is the fact that there is no path to spiritual growth. There is no, uh, there's no spiritual growth and success without the word. You cannot mature in Christ without the word. In fact, the only place where the word success is used in the, in the Bible is in Joshua 1.8. You put, take this word and you meditate on it day and night. And be careful to do all that is written in it. For then your way will be prosperous. Then you will have good success. We need to be in the word. More about that here in just a second. So we wait, we wait, we wait. And it's not a passive waiting, it's an active waiting. (laughs) Look at it, it says, I wait with my whole being. How do you wait with your whole being? It's not just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. It is an anticipation. God, what are you doing? Joseph, in prison. And as he's being marched as a slave to Egypt, saying, God, what are you doing? As the father of the prodigal sits there 
on the porch waiting for his son to come home. Do you know in the prodigal son it says, when his son was far off, the father saw him and went running to him. In other words, he was waiting, but he had his eye on the road. He was anticipating. He wanted his son. He was actively waiting with his whole being. Mary and Martha, as Jesus comes, they were waiting. And in fact, you know, here's the thing. If you read John 11, Jesus himself waited. He did. He purposefully, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he waited. He could have gone right then, and he could have healed Lazarus before he died, but he waited. And when he got there, and Lazarus was already dead, do you know what he did? He wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, right there in John 11, Jesus wept. You know why he wept? Because he was sad. Mary and Martha came and cried out, my Lord, if only you had come. They were crying out to Jesus. Why didn't you get here sooner? And Jesus, he had actively waited to come. Why? Because there was purpose in the pain. There was purpose in waiting. Because he was going to do something that nobody believed he could do. He was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. But even as they're waiting, even as Jesus is waiting, even knowing what he is going to do, Jesus cried with Mary and Martha in their grief. What did Kevin just say a few minutes ago? God is for us. God is with us. He is with us in the waiting. And there is purpose in the pain. And then we get to the Psalm 130 all the way to the right there. So we have discouragement and guilt and shame and hopelessness. And we cry out to the Lord and we wait and we wait and we wait. And God hears us. He's attentive to our cries. He forgives us. Look at that in verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. The prodigal found forgiveness in his father. He still uses us. Even in our discouragement, in our sinfulness, in our hopelessness, he redeems situations. In the season of Lent, we talk about walking with Jesus to the cross. That's what the season of Lent is. It is the weeks prior to the celebration annually of Good Friday when Jesus hung on the cross, and then Easter morning when he rose from the dead. As we walk with Jesus to the cross, we walk with him through his discouragement, through his despair through his hopelessness. There's a school of thought that's called the path of descent. Look at the next slide here. We went through 1 Peter as a church last fall, and you may remember that at the end of 1 Peter, in chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Humble yourself before the mighty arm of God, that in due time, there's the waiting again, in due time, he will lift you up. People, this is the way that God works. This is the prescription. Humble yourself. The way to get to God is not through ascending, it's through descending. 
And the path of descent teaches us this. That if we were going to get to God and if we were going to get to the things that Jesus calls us to, we can only grasp onto the things of Christ if we're willing to let go. If we're willing to let go of power and control. In Matthew 26, verses 52 through 53, Jesus is arrested in the garden. And you know what? Jesus multiple times had opportunities. He could, have, he could have ascended to the throne. He could have ridden the waves of popularity to become king of Israel. He had the power. He could have done all sorts of But you know what Jesus did? Every time that the people wanted to make him king, he walked away and he let it go. In the garden, when they came to arrest him, Peter is traditionally one that that was believed to have taken the sword and tried to kill one of the, the, the high, chief priest's servants that was there. In fact, tradition calls his name Malchus, and Peter tries to cut him in half, one half mile, one half cuss. And Jesus says, put away your sword. Don't you know that I, could, I have at my disposal a legion of angels that could come and rescue me at any moment at my beck and call. But he let it go. He didn't have to. But he let it go. And you don't get to the resurrection without giving up the power. We don't get to heaven unless Jesus gave up power and gave up control. We don't get to the things of Christ unless we give up our need for safety and security. Jesus then said to the people, said, hey, I, why are you coming in the middle of the night here to arrest me? I have been every day in the temple, teaching in the courts. You could have taken me at any time. In other words, Jesus, knowing that the chief priests wanted to kill him, and he knew that they did, he continued to teach in the, the temple courts. He continued to go there every day. He continued to stay in public places. He did not go into hiding. He let go of any sense of trying to to need to feel some sort of safety or security because he knew that he needed to die to be the atonement for all of us. And Jesus gave up the need for affection and self-esteem same way we need to. In fact, the Bible says that, that when the crowds would come around him and want to make him king, I mean, he was popular. He would, people followed him everywhere. He, thousands of people. He would, could have ridden, the, again, the waves of fame and fortune. And you know what he did? He always went off by himself to a mountain. And John 2, 23 through 25, Jesus says he never gave himself over to the people who wanted to give him constant affirmation and praise. He let it go because it says that Jesus knew what was in their hearts. The path of descent teaches us that we get to Christ through letting go and allowing ourselves to experience the suffering. Follow me now. I don't have this on the screen, so here's where the pencil comes in. Those of you in the auditorium family, you've heard me 
do this several times before. But here we go. I'm gonna give you three scriptures, and this could be a great assignment for the family over lunch today. Romans chapter five, verses three through five. Romans chapter five, verses three through five. First Peter chapter one, verses six through seven. First Peter chapter one, verses six through seven. And James chapter one, verses two or three. James one, the second and the third verse. I want you to read through these three scriptures. Three different authors, James, Peter, and Paul, writing to three different audiences, and I want you to read through them and see if you notice the pattern. Do you remember when Kevin and Lane, after Kirk's death, led us all through Psalm 23? You don't get to the house of the Lord without walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't get to the things of God without suffering through the letting go. You don't get to maturity and the fruits of the Spirit without walking through trouble and difficulties and trials and the depths. That's the path of descent. I want to leave you this morning with, uh, with something that the auditorium family here at Third has gone through multiple times, and it, God keeps bringing it up again and again and again. It's called the chain reaction of praise. Here's what it says. Praise God in every circumstance. Now notice this is a chain reaction. We're connecting the dots just like we did with the lectionary. Praise God in every circumstance. It activates our faith. To pray powerful prayers, out of that activated faith, we pray powerful prayers, we're crying out in our prayers, which allows us then to overcome evil. And in the overcoming of evil, we learn to live and reign with Christ. What we are going through right now, as a globe, as a world in this pandemic, is a chain reaction of praise moment in which we have the opportunity to fall into the pits of despair and fear and discouragement and anxiety, or we can learn the chain reaction of praise and understand that God has something for us in the depths. Just this week, uh, yeah, on Thursday, I have a business and my business is dependent on clients who hire me and my team. And I knew it was coming, because when businesses begin to lose money, the first thing they do is they start cutting all of the outside contractors and consultants. And so, on Thursday morning, the calls began. I'm gonna lose some income just because of what's happening in the economy. And I don't know what it's gonna mean. I don't know how much it's gonna be. I walked down the steps and into Wendy's office, and I said, we have a chain reaction of praise moment. And together we praised God for what he's doing, and we don't know where it's gonna lend. Later that night, at nine o'clock, I got a FaceTime from our daughter, Taylor, in Edinburgh, Scotland. 
And I realized from the time difference that she was calling me at 3 a.m. Scotland time. So I accepted the FaceTime call, and I watched my daughter sobbing uncontrollably. She couldn't even speak. She was crying so hard. Our grandson, Milo, had just been taken by ambulance to the hospital because he was in respiratory distress. And they only allowed one parent to go. And because Taylor had been symptomatic with a sore throat, she was home alone while her son was going to the hospital and was facing the chance that she might not see him, couldn't be with him. Now, I'm glad to tell you that he's fine, okay? He's back the next day. He had a virus, an infection, but it wasn't COVID-19. He's fine. But in that moment, as she's crying out in the spirit, she said, Dad, will you pray? So Wendy and Taylor and I over FaceTime prayed. And do you know what I prayed? I started with praise. Jesus, praise you. We praise you, God, because you've got this. We praise you because you are faithful. We praise you. We praise you. And you know what? It activated our faith. And we prayed a powerful prayer that night, and we believed that God was going to do great things. So as you feel discouragement and despair, I want you to remember that this is not some sort of cosmic persecution this is the spiritual prescription that God gives us. He prescribes difficulty and tough times that we may learn to wait and to grow in him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we get ready to close. And I want to encourage all of you there at home. I'd like to encourage you to to read through the scriptures that we talked about this morning as a family or individually. And I'd like you to think about what God is doing through this time in you. I want to encourage you to cry out if you need to. Go into a field <laughs> far from everybody else. Keep your social distance. You don't need to keep your social distance from God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would be with every person out there who's watching this on YouTube. We pray for our world that you would show yourself to be Lord in the midst of craziness, confusion, and suffering. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us through the depths that you have for us, Lord, if we wait for it, if we seek it, if we knock, if we ask, that you are going to show us great and unsearchable things that we don't yet know. And we believe, Lord, that you hear us, that you are attentive to us, and that you feel our anxiety, you feel our discouragement, our hopelessness, our guilt, our shame. And as we wait for you, we believe 
that you are going to raise us out of the valley of the shadow of death. Your rod, your staff, comfort us. And we believe, Lord, that up the next hill, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's worship together.